Hello and welcome to episode 184 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon. With me today, I got both of my co-hosts on Zoom right now. Brandon, how you been, man? Long time no see. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me back to the show. (laughs) Ricardo, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's good to see Brandon's smiling face today. Uh, Man, I love it. Absolutely, we can't uh, can't go too long without having having Brandon on the show. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm like this. I felt like this. Uh, the, the guest we have on this week is is fantastic, man. Um, young guy named Gavin uh, Krasinski, excuse me, Gavin Krasinski, uh, and he's you know. He's a young buck out there in Utah and and got hurt, man, in a, in a side-by-side accident. Um, similar to uh, to a few of our guests have had, like, very similar injuries to that. You know, those things are dangerous. And then, uh, uh, Ricardo, you were telling me about uh, Uncle Ray just whipping around in one of those things with Aunt Lori and, like, flipping that thing over or something. Or Uncle Dave was telling me, too. Like, man, these things are dangerous. Yeah, crushed crushed his hand he reached out to stop it and uh crushed his hand and uh took a little bit of uh work to get everything back going you know and he's in his 60s so Hmm. um yeah that was pretty bad for him but you know it's a again you know it's an ordinary day right you're just doing regular activities when these kind of accidents or you know acts of god whatever you want to call them happen and it's always so shocking how an ordinary day, you know, just a ride and a side by side can turn into life changing event, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, my, uh, our friend of the podcast, uh, Adrian Garcia was the one that had told me about Gavin. He's like, you got to get this, this young kid on your show. Like he's, he's great, man. Great story. Great. Uh, he's done some amazing stuff and he, you know, he's been out to, uh, Thailand to get some different, uh, I guess he got stem cells there and also had, um, one of these, uh, what do they call it? How do you, I'm blanking on like the word. The, stimulators. The stimulators. The stimulators. Yes. yes. Yeah. So he had two stimulators actually put in cause they won't do, uh, cervical level stimulators in the United States. I had no idea of that. Um, so they only do it in like mm. kind of between or Canada like, or Canada. Yeah. So they only do it, but in, and the, the ones they'll do here is between the, I guess, thoracic and, and lumbar regions of the spinal cord. But for somebody with a cervical level injury, like that's not really going to help that much, you know? So he went out there and, and did it, man. Like that's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm, uh, I can't wait for everybody to hear kind of the results that he had because it sounds very promising. Yeah, and he's it's only been two years and he's made a lot of progress. I mean, two years since his injury, right? So well, yeah, like just over, I guess in September it was would have been two years, right? Because it was yeah. twenty one. So and um, and and uh and the first portion of that was spent in the hospital. Yeah, man, I couldn't even imagine like having that bad of a of a pressure sore right after that, you know, he ended up basically in the hospital for nine months and five of that was spent on bed rest. So. Yeah. Yeah. Based on a lot of the people that we've talked to that have had those and how, how common they are. 
with uh, people that have a spinal cord injury, it's it's really a blessing, you know, Jeremy, that you've been able to avoid that all this time. I know, 26 years, right? 26 years. It's yeah. a miracle, Jeremy. When he mentioned that the, that the uh, doctor there in Thailand said that, you know, there's for a cervical level spinal cord injury, like, you know, it's 20 to 25 years. It's basically like the life expectancy. But, you know, I just told you guys, man, I'm built different. So, yeah, you already see you already def- you're already defying the odds anyway. I know. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. It's crazy, though, Which, that I almost like died like right after 25 years, like literally three days later or whatever. Yeah, yeah which, it was. Which, it was uh, just the. I think yesterday was like the anniversary of me having to get like rushed in for surgery. So, last which year. also, which also January eighteenth was your was the anniversary of your injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I put out I put out a little, yeah I put out a little quick uh, twenty minute twenty five minute maybe uh, episode last week without either of you guys. Um, talking to my guy Adrian Garcia about just because I wanted to like get his perspective of having you know just had uh, just being injured you know he's not even three years in yet um versus when uh you know having my 26th life day so it's uh just wanted to get the perspective from from both sides so everybody check that one out and uh, yeah, we'll get to this interview here real quick and we will talk to you guys on the other side. That sounds good, Jeremy. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, we are excited to visit with Gavin Krasinski. Uh, he is an entrepreneur, a spinal cord injury survivor, and an SCI advocate. Gavin, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, Gavin, for anybody that doesn't know your story, doesn't follow you on social media or whatever, can you, you know, tell us how you suffered a spinal cord injury? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, my injury was in September of 2021. Um, just typical weekend, uh, going out, we were actually getting ready to go fly fishing and I was a passenger in the side by side and just, uh, got ended up you know, it, when your card's pulled, your card's pulled. So I uh, got thrown out like 100 feet out of the side-by-side. And um, from there, I was uh, life-flighted from Idaho. We were in Island Park, Idaho. I was life-flighted to the University of Utah. And then I was in ICU for about a month. And I got a... Um, so, of course, they told me my diagnosis. I finally came to... I mean, I don't know what they had me on. They probably had me on a bunch of different drugs, but I was pretty out of it while I was in there. Right. And um, they uh, they ended up, fi- I finally came to three weeks into the hospital, but what had happened was I developed a stage four pressure ulcer on my sacrum. Oh. And that was due to the ICU. So I ended up being in the hospital, let alone the spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital for nine months total. And five months of that was bed rest. So, yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty brutal. I, I tell everyone uh, I had, I kind of had my time to grieve in the hospital, like realizing that I wasn't able to move. So when I was got out, 
it was just like fight for do what I can to regain any function. Um, kind of go that route. Like I, like I said, in the hospital, you have a lot of time to think, especially a bed rest. You can't really do anything, but watch TV and TV kind of gets old every after you've watched it so long. So you kind of yeah. grieve the loss of things, but then realize miracles happen. Things happen. Um, you just got to keep pushing in the right direction. Yeah. So do you, I mean, do you remember anything from the accident? I mean, did, were you, completely unconscious when you flew out of the vehicle and uh before they yeah did. yeah so so i was i remember bits and parts of it like when i first kind of came to in the hospital i didn't remember like the whole week up to the accident i woke up like worried about work like gotta tell people where i'm at like that was my first thing and they're like oh you've been in the hot like i thought i'd only been in the hospital a couple of days but it had been like a few weeks so like oh don't worry everyone's well versed uh and i mean i thank everyone the support uh so i i mean the real estate community the support has been phenomenal they even did a vigil for me and like pulled everything together while i was in the hospital wow. so like it was great but um yeah, like, so all that was kind of dialed in. But as I was in the hospital, my memory started coming back a little bit by a little bit. And I kind of got to the point where it was a day of remember getting up there. And then there's still, I guess, bits and pieces missing, which I guess is understandable because let alone did I get a spinal cord injury. Um, I got so I only got one cut on my forehead that I believed only need needed eight stitches. Um, but I have two collapsed lungs, I think like four or five broken ribs, ruptured spleen, um, bleeding on the brain, and then the spinal cord injury too. Man, my God, bro. That's, you're lucky to be alive for real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was on a ventilator for a week. And then, of course, they paint a a grief picture of that saying, you know, we don't expect him to come off of this. That's at least what they told my family members that we don't expect them to come off the ventilator. And then, so I kind of, I beat that. And then I had the trach uh, in my neck and they said, well, that's going to be his life now. He's going to have a trach. And I actually was able to overcome that too. So things slowly started kind of falling into place that your body can heal itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you get the pressure ulcer, you have the collapsed lungs, you have uh, this, the ruptured spleen, all this stuff's going on. Um, how long before they're, and are they, how long before they're able to move you to rehab? Like to do, to, are, are you even able to do anything for the first, I mean, you're on bed rest for so, five yeah, months. Yeah. So, so no, they, they did do. Um, so I was in the ICU for a month and they were getting me up for therapy in and out of the wheelchair because of course when uh you go through like a traumatic uh central nervous system injury your body kind of goes out of function and um so they they did get me up but like i was getting lightheaded tell everyone now like i look back that time when i was doing that stuff like it seems like so surreal because i just kind of still fell out of it even though i was there you just kind of feel out of it i don't know if it was medications they have you on or your body's still trying to get used to it it's healing i mean it's probably a factor of all those things you went through a traumatic injury and your body's trying to figure it out so i mean that i so i was in the icu for a month and then they moved me to craig nelson uh 
physical rehab hospital. Even with with the pressure ulcer, they um, were just packing it. So they were trying to get it to heal by itself before they said surgery. So they were just packing the wound and still doing therapy with me for two months. I was in that hospital for two months. And then um, they decided to do a skin graft or a flap surgery on it uh, because it wasn't, it just wasn't healing. So they did that in December of 21. And then I was on bed rest from there for the next five months. And so you're just, you're in the hospital the whole time you're on bed rest. They're not able to like send you home or send you to. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, granted during this time. So I went to uh, the plastic surgeons here in Utah. I really, they're, they're, um, I guess they consider themselves a little higher breed. So they work out of, we have the Huntsman Cancer Institute so that they do work out of the Huntsman Cancer Institute because I guess the surgical rooms are a little nicer than at the main hospital. So they did my surgery there and I was at, then they were supposed to transfer me to an LTAC or an acute hospital for bed rest. But I ended up staying at the Huntsman Center for a month. And then I went to an acute hospital for the next five months. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a long time to be on bed rest, man. I can't yeah. imagine. Um, yeah. Okay, so fast forward then. And are they still able to do any? I mean, they're, they're obviously probably stretching you out and stuff while you're on bed rest. But are, there pro- are they just not able to do any kind of? It's, it's very minimal. So once I got to um, like they did do a little because I had a little. So my um, when I first was injured right in the ICU, I couldn't move anything. And then my left arm started coming in first. And there was trace sign in my wrist. And then my right arm decided to it healed or whatever. And so my right, which is great because I'm right dominant. So everything usually starts with the left side of my body. But then I obviously favor my right side. So my right side becomes a stronger side. And the left side kind of gets a little neglected, which I need to focus on that. But it still, you know... So it's it's a little tough, especially being in this injury. You want to favor what you have. Right. And like I tell everyone, it's you got to I guess it's just getting out of your comfort zone. Even when you're already out of your comfort zone, you still have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. Even though you're stronger on one side, you need to use the other side. So I've right. been working on that. Um, but, yeah, it's been been quite a ride. And then even at that, the first uh my first uh, flap surgery didn't take because the pressure sore was all the way down to the bone. So the bone was infected. And when they did the surgery the first time, the surgeon didn't get all of the infection off of the bone. And so when they sent, when I got back from the acute hospital, the wound care nurse could not heal the flap surgery. She just couldn't figure it out. And of course, this is lo and behold during COVID time. So all these doctors are pushed out a month to get in to a uh, see them. So she's like, well, instead of keeping you here at the hospital, I think we can stand you up. We'll teach your family how to bandage what's there because it was pretty close to healing. But she's like, it's, the rest just won't heal all the way. And then we'll send you home. Well, within a week of being home, 
I broke out in the autonomic dysreflexia, which spinal cord injuries get. And we rushed to the hospital. And I thought it was my catheter because I have a catheter. And it wasn't that. And they ended up doing an MRI and saw fluid that had actually wrapped around my spine. So there was still an infection in there. And they rushed me in for another surgery and advanced the flap, which it finally took that time. But from where the surgeon advanced the flap, there was a surgical wound that I had had for a year after that. Mm -hmm. And it was just tiny, but it would bleed. So I knew there was good blood flow, good oxygen getting to it. It just would not heal. And eventually went to the doctor the last summer and she said, she can close it up surgically, but you're going to be on bed rest another month. I was like, I think I'm done with bed rest. I've done that for quite a long time. I really don't want to do that again. So I just kind of left it and we've just been kind of putting gauze on it and just keeping it clean. Well, then I ended up going to Thailand and getting the simulators. And after I got the simulators, it healed it. Wow. Well, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Yeah. going to yeah. Thailand, but, um, so, you know, Gavin, how old are you when, when the accident happens? So I was 24 and I turned 27 uh, on February 1st. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, happy early birthday, man. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so are you, I'm, I don't know, I guess, like, are you out on your own then at this point? Like when you get injured, like you are, you're living on your own, you're not still at home with your parents or are you? No, so I'm actually uh, with my parents uh, right now. So well, actually, I'm, I'm saying uh, like when you when you got out though, were you um, were, did you have to like were you already planning on moving back home with your folks or did you still? Oh live no, with, no, no, Did but, you live with them when you no. first got injured? No, I was on my own doing my own thing, and then um, this happened. So it was kind of a learning curve for that again. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So um yeah so what what had to happen like did you guys have to do any renovations to the house um kind of like talk about the transition coming yeah that and that throws a whole nother wrench and i always ask people about the transition coming out of the hospital and back into kind of the real world um definitely what's that like for you you know especially having to go back living with your folks i mean i'm sure that that's a godsend having that option but um, yeah, oh, like yeah. you said, it's a learning learning curve when you're 24 and, and having to move back in with your parents. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, when I and like when I got out of the hospital, so I'd already celebrated my birthday in the hospital. So I was 25 at the time we got out springtime here in Utah. Um, and so my parents were actually out in Eagle Mountain, Utah, which is about 20 minutes from where I was originally. And they had a two-story home, which isn't really wheelchair accessible so we all ended up moving in to uh, my grandparents house my mom's parents they took us in because they were in a rambler which single level um, they got it set up which before I went in the University of Utah did a good job the therapist went in there and of course critique everything saying this isn't wheelchair accessible this and that but they ended up coming with this big bill of renovations that's like $120,000 and you're like oh my gosh yeah this is a joke so we're like well this isn't going to be for for a forever like adjustment like we don't want to be 
So we just had a, we were there for probably a little over a year or a year to a little under a year and ended up finding a place close by to the family. So um, for everyone not, I guess, too familiar with Utah, we all live in a city called Riverton, Utah. We're just south of Salt Lake City. And we're all within a five minute drive of each other between my aunt on my mom's side, uh, my grandparents and my brother. So like there's help all, all the way around, pretty easy to help with me and help help around the, everyone. Wow, that's great, man. You have that that family, yeah. family support so close. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, are you so um, I, I know there are a few few guys you, you mentioned you're in the kind of the real estate uh, world. Yeah, I know yeah. there is a few guys that um, uh, guys and uh, men and women around the country that I, I know that um, are still doing real estate and kind of focusing on spinal cord, uh, you know, with their injuries, focusing on on kind of sp- like disabled housing and things like that. Have you thought about getting back into that at all? Uh, so, I I mean, I was my whole family's kind of in real estate, but I wasn't an actual real estate agent. So I actually worked for the Salt Lake Board of Realtors, um, which I still do. I'm still employed by them. But um, we are kind of like the, I guess, it's like the governing body, but it's not like the realtors pay their dues through us. We divide it to the state and they get to be a part of a board. We provide classes for them. Um, We do like code of ethics a lot of things for the realtors. Um, but my specific job was I helped, um, get classes, uh, with political leaders and things to come and talk to the realtors and also doing all of the major events for the realtors that we put on, which we had, uh, I think roughly 11 throughout the year. Okay. And four of those were, events with a thousand or more people oh man that's that's big time uh um, yeah, yeah yeah that's crazy so uh gavin before we get too far too i i screwed up man what so what level injury did you suffer oh yeah yeah so i'm a c4 uh spinal cord injury and in the hospital they of course say c4 complete but every other doctor I've talked to has completely disagreed with a complete injury. They would say uh, incomplete injury. Um, so I'm just going with incomplete. Yeah, go. Yeah, there you go, man. Um, so, you know, I know that you, you're pretty good online. You share a lot of stuff uh, as far yeah. as your injury goes, um, as far as trip to Thailand, different things you're doing. Um, so what, you know, motivated you to start documenting your recovery and, and kind of putting it out there to the world? Cause I mean, I, I think it's very important. I'm glad that so many, so many people are doing that these days compared to. Yeah. You know, back. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I think the biggest part is like, cause I've been in the real estate industry for since I was 16 years old. And like I said, my whole family, my mom, uh, my brother, my aunt, my sister-in-law, they're all kind of in the housing industry. And what I didn't realize when I kind of came to is all the connections that I had made and all the support and love that was out there that, you know, you go through your life and you didn't realize 
I guess, the effect you have on people, even before you just kind of go about your life because life is busy. So I guess my big drive for that was just to kind of let people know where I was um, and just kind of keep them updated where my progress is going and everything because, I mean, the support is huge. And so I want to keep them in the loop as much as I can. And the best channel I found to do that was Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, any of that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, and we, yeah, what kind of feedback have you gotten from it? I mean, between both like people in the dealing with this injury and then also like the able-bodied community, have you had a, I'm sure it's all been positive. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all been major positive feedback. And like, even with the spinal cord injury, like I guess community or anything like that, I mean, I don't get their hopes up on things, but I tell them, you know, this is what's worked for me. It doesn't mean it works for everyone, but it could work. We don't know. I mean, everything from my understanding, because I've been doing it, my, I guess in my downtime, what I do mostly is I research these injuries. My understanding is these are such, we, we know a lot about spinal cord injuries, but then it's also a shot in the dark in the other half. Right. So, so that's, where you know like i just i don't want to create false hope but then the other sense i want them to know hope is out there too yeah so like i i think there's more hope than i guess what the doctors say yeah no doubt man if we just all went yeah. on what the doctors said we'd uh might as well just just yeah uh, we would all be dead uh, off of what the doctors say and or google you know like it's i mean it's obviously a fatal injury but like they just they're, they, I tell everyone, they put you in a box and that's your box. So you just, you can't listen to it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, so let's, yeah, let's get to the, uh, the trip to Thailand and kind of, um, you know, I know you went out there to have a procedure done. I'm gonna, I'll let you yeah. kind of describe what that was, but you know, how did it even come across your, your radar? Where'd you hear about it? And then yeah, talk, talk yeah, us mind. through kind of what, what you went over there for. Definitely. So like I said, I, I love doing research. I mean, I've met with neuroscientists uh, from the country around or f- around other countries, everything. Talked about spinal cord injuries. That was a, immediately as soon as I became, I guess, somewhat proficient using my cell phone. I was online looking for a fix or an answer to a spinal cord injury. Started with stem cells and then I came across the, the epidural simulator and what's been going on with that, which Epidural simulators are getting put in more places, like they're getting put in the United States. Uh, Susie Harkam, I believe, is doing them in the United States. And you have Dr. Cortine's data that he's doing. He's actually trying to develop a different simulator. So, like, you're kind of going down this rabbit hole of, like, what's been invented over the last few years for spinal cord injury patients. And I looked at stem cells, which I think stem cells are great. Um, are they a one cure fix all? Mm, probably not like reading the data and everything. Like I think, I think they're very beneficial, but in a sense, it, I think it depends on the person as well, which I've also got stem cells multiple times. And I do have to say like, feel good with them. Everything feels good, but it, is it helping? I 
I don't know. Like I seem to get a little bit of feeling back with it, but is it a functional movement? That's, that's where it comes like, you kind of have to give and take. I mean, and all these treatments, if you, I mean, we don't do stem cell treatments directly into the spinal cord or the um, spinal fluid here in the United States. That's not something that's a little too risky here. So you have to go out of the country for it. Did Mexico, you grow, anything did you like that. Did you go out of the country for those treatments or? Yes. Yep. Yep. So I I did, I did some in Mexico, which was, um, I got a little bit more feeling back with the ones in Mexico. So I was like, okay, like I read the data on the ones they did at the Mayo Clinic. They did do a um, stem cell treatment that was a clinical trial. And the data they got one out of 10 was a super responder with stem cells so i was like okay well really i might be that one out of 10 who knows i mean we don't know until you try it yeah so i was but of course the mayo clinic data was over and so you can't go into their trial so like well i'll just go out of country and get it you pay for it you get it immediately so i went to mexico to get the stem cells and um they get a little bit more feeling back with that but nothing like a functional movement from that standpoint. And the whole time I had the stem cells, you get like a burning feeling in your legs. Like that's uh, the only way I can explain it. And I went down with another spinal cord injury patient and um, same thing, like a burning sensation. And it kind of gets you on like, okay, something's doing something. It's obviously your body even though you may not be able to fill your legs, you're getting some sensory response back to your brain. Right. So you're like, okay, something's obviously trying to click somewhere. And then um, I came across this Thailand clinic and they did stem cells, let alone did they do stem cells, they do the epidural stimulator. And I was like, okay, I've talked to, at that point, I had talked to people from Germany, like all over and no one's guaranteeing too much of anything like it's like it's a hit or missing and like you either do stem cells or a simulator well you can do simulators here in the u.s but are you going to get covered is it a necessary thing for insurance to say we're going to cover you for this right and sometimes they they will say no so then you're paying out of pocket well Talked to Thailand. The doctor there seemed very in tune with all the research going on with spinal cord injury. And coming across talking to him, he had kind of the mentality you would want in a doctor. His goal, and from what he told me was, he wants to correct an issue with the spinal cord injury community. Said so from the data, a typical C-level spinal cord injury patient lives between 20 and 25 years after injury. So I was like, okay. And he's like, I'm trying to correct that data because I think there's more out there that can connect this stuff. And then let alone that, he's trying to get patients off of taking so many medications. So he is straightforward about that. And I was like, that to me is an honest, true mission statement right there. Like you're not in it for the money. You're truly trying to make a difference. Yeah. So then we decided, I decided on that. I mean, of course it's still costly, but it's still cheaper than the U S the stimulator they use is a Medtronic simulator. Same as what we use here in the U S the only difference between Thailand and there is 
they will do a cervical stimulator implant, okay. which we do not do here in the U.S. So being a cervical injury uh, C4, I mean, your functions is very limited because like finger function, any of that. So by having the cervical injury implant or cer cervical stimulator implant, it's able to trigger your upper body movements, let alone your lower movements with the lower stimulator. They are able to trigger tricep, which is a muscle group that I don't have, um, finger grasping, uh, wrist flexion, um, shoulder movements, which I have good bicep movement and shoulder movement, but this just triggers a bigger group of muscles that you don't have the connection to. Man, so like that, that was very, a major game. Yeah, that's very similar to my injury, man. Like I, we're going through, you know, the, with having the biceps but not no triceps yeah. and having yeah. shoulder movement. But uh, yeah, that so so they go in and and put the so they put one cervical stimulator in, and then the other one goes into what level? So the lower one goes into thoracic lumbar level, so like right in between, and that controls your. Uh, like your core function, yeah, your trunk, all your upper trunk movement. And then it will also control like leg movements. Um, and also the, and which I've seen in the data with these, after getting these stimulators, which was a huge win, um, blood pressure came back to normal. Nice. Which, and it's normal with the stimulator off. So it's like constantly staying at about 120 over 80. That's amazing. That's Instead amazing. of a 95 over 70 or a 90 over 70, which I tell everyone that you don't like, I'm a pretty up, up beat person, like never down, always like I've done a self work. I've done like classes, like things to keep my mind upbeat. Like things can always be worse, but you know, let's try to figure out the solution for this. Right. So like, I didn't realize it didn't feel good until after I got the simulators. It's like, wow, I feel completely different. I feel a hundred, like I feel energized, which I guess technically you are, you have stimulation going through your body, but you feel amazing. I felt great. So can you tell so, a big difference between when, when it's on and off or is it like, are these things like making it so that when you're, you know, like when you do have it on, like it's almost training your body to do the same thing when it's off or how yes explain, yeah so these are just like i don't know if you're familiar with like e-stim like they use little pads like to trigger yeah. smaller groups now it's the same exact process they get like pulse widths or pulse rates and all that stuff they have to program to connect to the right uh i guess nerve group they want to trigger the muscle movement so instead of isolating one little like area with pads, this just triggers your spinal cord to make the function. So you're getting the same, the way it was put to me, like pretty close to the same power output that your spinal cord used to get down. Wow. So, and they told me it's kind of like bridging the gap because I guess the major issue with spinal cord injury is after you get them, your body kind of defeats its own purpose. And the swelling of the spinal cord, all of that creates scar tissue, which blocks the signal from going through. So mm -hmm. usually everyone has quite a bit of scar tissue buildup. 
Well, the doctor there put it as he's bridging that gap where that scar tissue is. Okay. And the hope is to have enough preserved nerve endings going all the way down. Cause if you're not severed, there's still no nerve endings going down to still have enough preserved that you're able to control this stimulation once it's on. Okay. And so are you having that, are you able to control it when it's on? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm able to, when the lower one's on, lift my leg on command. Um, I'm getting the hand one is definitely harder, but I am getting to the point of initiating the grasp on my other, not the grasp, the grasp on my own as, um, like I use therapy putty to strengthen the grasp and the ultimate goal at the end of the day. So the doctor there says you need to be doing 20 to 25 hours of therapy a week to get this, to try to meet the goal, which his goal is to get to a point where you no longer need the simulators to initiate that function. That's the ultimate goal. I love that. So yeah, are these things like, do they have to go in and change the battery in this thing ever so often or how does that? So the battery life on them, I mean, it just depends, I guess, on how much you're using them. Uh, it's, it's about nine years though, is what they're rating the device at about every nine years. Um, every year I will have to go to a clinic, um, one of their clinics, which they have one in Guadalajara, Mexico, Thailand, and also one in Canada. They just don't do the surgical implant in Canada, but they call it mappings, uh, where the, there's 16, I believe 16 stimulator pads around the stimulator itself. So as you use it and as you build muscle, these pads need to be reconfigured to get the same function as you use it because your body gets used to it and gets resilient to the simulation. So they have to go in there, change up the program a little bit, you use it for another year, kind of do the same thing back and forth until I guess you get to a point of doing everything on your own. Okay. That's great. What was it like, uh, First of all, how much did this cost out of pockets? I know insurance did not pay yeah. for any of this. So no. What, yeah, what no. Out, out of out of pocket, I would say with flights and everything was about two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. That's crazy. But from my understanding here, from what I've heard, if insurance doesn't cover a simulator here in the US to get that implanted. Now I, I don't know if this is true or not, but from my understanding. A simulator here in the U.S. costs about half a million dollars for one of them. Wow. Wow. Okay. Because we won't we won't touch the upper one, although I know from people that have attended conferences, uh, neurological conferences, they I guess at the last one they were at, they had mentioned, hey, why don't we put one of these in the upper cervical spine in there? So, well, that's what we're working towards. So obviously it's coming, but other places are already doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is with this injury for years, man. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess, what was it like? I mean, how difficult was that? How many flights had you been on up to that point since being injured before going to Thailand or was that your first, uh, first, that was, that was my first post-injury flight. And when I got out of the hospital, I mean, I've done traveling, I did a cruise. I've done things, but we drove to the port from Utah. Okay. 
And I told them my first flight will be to go and fix something on my spinal cord. And that's what it was. And that flight was the worst part of the whole trip. Was it? <laughs> it's 24 hours of pure flying, 30 hours with layovers. <clears throat> Unbelievable. So you're, yeah, you're really, it's very, uh, very long. But once you do it and you're there, I do have to, the, I mean, the first, the whole time you're like, you, you don't know what you're getting self into, into. So like, I didn't even set when someone asked me, what's your expectations of this? So I don't really, I'm not setting my expectations. My mind right now is I'm flying because I've heard horror stories about flying as a paralyzed person. So of course my whole attitude was flying. And then by the time you get there, you're just exhausted you could care less, but uh, you're looking and lo and behold, they have the medical personnel there, personnel there to pick you up. Um, they take you to the hospital. This is a private hospital in Bangkok. Um, I believe the owner was Australian. He owned the hospital. And I do have to say this, there is a way difference between a private hospital in Bangkok and a public hospital. I major difference. I could imagine. I could imagine. Yeah. What what it's, was like the what was like the wheelchair accessibility like over there? I mean, did you guys get out in in Bangkok much, or were you just pretty much in the yeah. hospital the whole time? No, we we ended up. So they did keep me. I was there for two months. They kept me out of the hospital for two months because the first thing they do when you get there is you're getting ready to prep for surgery. Um because they're they're like doing it immediately so you can have recovery time and have enough have enough time with their therapist their physical therapist and their occupational therapist um but when i got there i was exhausted just ready to get to bed and then they uh had to do a bunch of tests because they have, they run blood work all that and it came back that i had a uti oh, no. so that pushed me out. They had to put me on an antibiotic. Those guys are very firm believers in their antibiotics. So they pushed a lot of antibiotics on me. I was finally to get, able to get the surgery the next week. So I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks, but um, before they let me go out, I was able to kind of sit outside, but not really go out and explore Thailand. But once we started going out and exploring Thailand, it is not accessible. Like, they like to think they're accessible, but the ramps are, are on a very steep incline. I mean, I'm in a power wheelchair, so it's like, you. but everyone's willing to help. They rush behind you. They're pushing on the wheelchair. They don't even know you. They're just running to help you to get up the ramp, though. They don't care. Oh. So, uh, like, the, the help is overwhelming there, but the accessibility isn't really, I guess, on the best route. I was like, I guess I won't complain about sidewalks in the U.S. again after being there. Right, I can imagine. Um, so did any, was any anybody able to come with you over there? Like, do you have a family yeah. members or? So, uh, yeah, my dad actually was there with me the whole time. And then uh, we flew my mom out for the last 10 days that we were there. So I got back October 28th of uh, last year. So my dad came out. I uh, was with the whole time and treated him really great. I mean, like I said, the people over there are unbelievable, amazing, lots of respect, everything. It was great. Oh, that, that's great. 
Um, so then any other, I know, so you've done the stem cell thing in, in Mexico, you've done the, uh, the stimulators in, in Thailand. Is there any other, any other alternative therapies you've tried yet or that you're like looking at that you, you have your yeah. eye on next? So I also, when I was in Thailand, I got a stem cell injection there, intrathecal spinal cord. Um, they, they also did stem cells there. They did uh, 200 million stem cells there, which was great. Um, didn't feel the best the next day, but he said that's perfectly normal. They get stem cells in your spinal fluid. He said it kind of takes it out of you, headache, get a little bit of a fever. So, yeah, that did that there, which ultimately, in my eyes, stem cells need to be told where to go. Like they need an activation key. So, if your spinal cord, the way I look at it is fully intact, but like mine's fully intact, but the bone kind of just hit into it, caused a bruise. It's still intact. Their stem cells are there to promote healing, but I no longer had an open wound there. There was nothing. So I thought, okay, well maybe with the stimulation and the stem cells, it kind of will create something, but yet again, with the stem cells, it created um, only more filling down my arms. So from my elbow down to my hands, it's what the doctors would say, a pins and needles filling, but I would describe it more as my arm fell asleep. Like you have filling there, but it's like a pressure sensitive filling. Right, right. So it's, uh, but like I got more filling from it again. Um other than that, the biggest gain was definitely from the simulator. And they had me up and walking one week after surgery. I was their first patient doing that. And so is that like up at the harness on the treadmill? Yeah. 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 So like I tell everyone, it's uh, it, it's not like it's a harness, but it's it's called a machine called a Riften. So it's like a walker almost, okay. but it still offloads pressure. And it was exactly two years after my injury. They had me up on my anniversary day wow. and moving. Yeah. So I was like, that's pretty, pretty great. And able, oh yeah, that's the other great thing with the simulator is able to sweat again, like pouring sweat off my face. I was like, that feels great. I never thought I'd hear those words come out of my mouth. Wow. Able to sweat again. Wow. Wow. That's amazing, man. Um, yeah. yeah. So is there anything like on the horizon that you've seen lately that you, you are trying to get involved with, or, or are you uh, just kind of working with the yeah. simulators and, and just kind of grinding on that right now? No. So, I mean, I'm going hard with the simulators, but always have to moving on to the next thing. So uh, my next big thing is they have the new drug called NVG 291. Oh, I, um, I, I, yeah, I had Dr. Stan, Samuel Stupp on the, the podcast a couple of yeah. years ago to talk about it. Guy's a, he's a hero, man. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping big things with that. Sadly, I mean, I know they did their clinical trial in Shirley Ryan. Sadly, having the simulators and doing it out of the country takes me out of any clinical trial now. I mean, they want a fresh, clean slate to go after it so they can see if it works or doesn't work. But I'm just like, at this point, I'm like, just load me up with whatever, because maybe it doesn't take just one thing. Maybe it'll take all these things, you know, like we we have no clue. So I'm definitely very interested in that, especially the science behind it and what it is like. I can't see it being. I guess I'll put it 
the best way I can. I feel stem cells are more reckless than uh, doing the peptide. Yeah, yeah. So, and like, do you have a bigger risk with stem cells than you do doing a peptide? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, shoot, Gavin, what, um, you know, what is your, I'm, I'm curious as to what your week looks like as far as like doing rehab and, um, or just day to day, like, are, do you have like a, um, like a gym an adaptive gym or facility you're able to go to there? Um, yeah. Yep. So I go to this, uh, great, uh, therapy clinic and they, were willing enough to take on the stimulators, uh, but they they also had another patient with uh, patient number four in the United States that had a Medtronic stimulator when they first started doing them here. So I am patient, I believe, number two in the United States that has two stimulators. Oh, so it's called it's called NeuroWorks. Um, it's in Sandy, Utah. They're amazing. Um, so they've been working with me very diligently. I get to go with a therapist three days a week. And then um, on the off days, I go in there. My biggest goal right now, I mean, obviously I tell everyone the biggest goal for any spinal cord injury patient is usually to walk again. But I know with this, it comes in small steps. So my next biggest goal, I'm in a power wheelchair right now. I would like to get to a manual wheelchair. That's my next biggest goal. So I've been really working on that. They have a loner uh, manual wheelchair there that I've been working out in. Uh, I've been doing pretty good in it. It's just building up the muscle again. So I have the stamina to make it a reasonable switch from a power wheelchair. Nice, man. Good. So we've been doing that. I, I, so I, I do, I go usually work out. I'm trying to work out three to four hours a day, uh, six days a week. And then I go to work usually four to five days a week for a couple hours. Nice. Keeping yourself busy. Definitely, man. That's, uh, yeah. that's cool. yeah. <laughs> I've done a couple of like adaptive sports, but I'm very like hard headed. So like, I'm very stubborn, just like I'm out there to get blood is my biggest thing. Like I'm out there to <laughs> tell everyone, well, I was close enough to dying now it's time to fix i obviously didn't so it's time to fix this because i'll be i i mean excuse the language i'll be damned if i live the rest of my life like this and there has to be something out there to fix it yeah no i agree man it's it's the something's gotta i think something's coming down the line i think you're right that it's going to take a combination of of a couple different couple different things a couple different technologies whatever the case may be that's gonna yeah puts it over the top so um, yeah, yeah, grab Gavin Krasinski, man. I appreciate you coming on, and th this was a great conversation. I really enjoyed hearing about your travels to Thailand and and Mexico to get the stem cells. And um, you know, why don't you give everybody your uh, social links so that we can, and I'll attach them to the to the show notes as well, but so everybody can follow along with your story. Definitely, yeah. So uh, my I'm on Facebook. I do a lot of posts on there. Uh, Real estate agents love Facebook. So that's where I have a lot of friends. Uh, just It's my first name, last name, Gavin. And then the last name is K-R-U-S-H-E-N-S-K-Y. And then I'm on Instagram as well. And I believe it is, I would have to look that one up. Might have to yeah. tag that one on there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. post it on there. I think it's Shooter McGavin. Yeah, yeah. Shooter McGavin, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't, I'll, I'll look it up and put it on there for sure. 
Awesome. And then are you anywhere else or just uh, mainly IG and uh, Facebook? Just IG and Facebook. I a little bit on TikTok, but mainly IG and uh, Facebook. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Well, Seems uh, to be the best platforms to uh, kind of reach yeah. on that. Well, we'll definitely uh, keep keep our uh, keep our eyes on on your your uh, next mission, man. Hopefully, you get in with that NVG two nine one. That stuff seems seems great. Um, like it's gonna make a real real difference here. So, um, yeah, definitely. We, yeah. yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely be in touch, man. We're gonna have to have you back on down the road to hear about uh, any gains you have. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Gavin. Talk to you soon, okay. man. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That was Gavin Krasinski. I want to thank him again for uh, being willing to come on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed uh conversation with him. I think yeah, he he's got his ear to the ear to the pavement, man. I love, um, you know, he, he was in early on the stem cell stuff, um, got this stimulator situation and another round of stem cells out there in Thailand. Now he's, uh, got his focus on this NVG 291 that, um, our guy, Dr. Samuel Stupp uh, is working on in Chicago at Northwestern. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that one too. I think that's, uh, that one's going to be a real, difference maker so um and, and i liked how gavin was you know he is basically like saying exactly what we've been saying you know with it's going to take more than than one kind of technology to to figure out how to to reverse this thing so i think it's going to be a combination of a few different things which you know maybe that it, it's on onto it right now he's got, he's got and that's it. all oh it's all good you know i mean you know, I really liked his uh, honesty in the whole thing is like, you know, there's not any miracle, you know, don't he he sets his expectations really low. Right. Because he, he but he has his hopes really high. You right. know, yeah. And and the whole uh, the trip to Thailand, I like the part where you ask him about the flight and that almost sounds worse than being um, injured. Right. You know. Exactly, man. Yeah. I so can't. the airlines need to get together really mm -hmm. soon, as soon as they figure out all this stuff with the missing bolts and whatnot, to get some uh, wheelchair accessible uh, seating for people. Yeah. Mm. Especially on a flight that long. I can't imagine. Mm. Yeah. It, it, we, we really have to emphasize the point that, uh, you know, and that's part of the, the mission statement of the live to walk again foundation in general was, you know, pooling resources together from across different disciplines to find a cure for paralysis and shout out to Gavin. Cause he's really trying to leave no stone unturned. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that, man. Um, yeah. So everybody go, go check him out, follow along on his journey. He's really good about, um, posting stuff. You know, he posted quite a bit from Thailand, um, it was, you know, it's, it's cool that he was able to have that experience, but yeah, I'm sure like, I, I would just be, I feel like in my head, I would just be dreading the flight home the whole time. Like, Oh yeah. 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 Like, there, see what he said. It was basically 24 hours of flying and 36 hours with all the layovers and everything. Um, 
factored in so good lord yeah i don't know man i'd probably want like the michael jackson medicine or something man just put me to sleep wake me up when we get there wake me up when we get there yeah michael jackson um well yeah uh yeah appreciate gavin coming on and telling us the story uh did also just interview um my guy kenny main uh from ESPN. He's got a very cool company that he works. He basically is working with, he has a a foundation called run freely. um, And they've basically partnered with this um, like brace company named hanger that I don't know if you guys have heard of them. I've had to go a few times for like leg braces and and some hand braces and stuff like that. Um, And he they have this uh this splint basically that uh will helps like soldiers who are having to like make a decision between getting a, a limb amputee or a, their ankle or their foot amputated versus being able to use this splint that takes the pressure off of their ankle and uh makes it so they can run and walk again so it's um it's a very cool uh situation um it's not really spinal cord injury related but i thought it was uh it was a good conversation anyway we we definitely dove into some seattle sports topics as well uh which was just a you know highlight for me so uh, that'll probably be next week's episode but uh yeah check out gavin appreciate him coming on appreciate you guys joining me to do this brandon it's good to see you after like what a month of not uh being on the show so hey, busy he's a busy dad jeremy oh, <laughs> he's I'm a busy not, dad I'm not, I'm not too busy never too busy for the live the walk again podcast uh again i just wanted to thank you ricardo for always being there to, to keep it going with jeremy um it, it means a lot to me and i know it means a lot to our listeners and of course jeremy you're the shit so yes he is Yes, he is. And and it's always a pleasure for me to hang with Jeremy and do this. So Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks. And uh yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Please, you know, listen, like, rate, review, and share the podcast. Helps us out with the algorithms. Uh we will be back next week. Thanks, Jake. See see you then.